0: Namo tasa bhagavato arato sama sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arato sama sambuddhasa. Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one.
1: Adanto Yen Je Rulai Yi, the
0: unsurpassed, deep, profound, subtle, wonderful Dharma, in a hundred thousand million eons is difficult to encounter. Now that I've come to receive and hold it within my sight and hearing, I vow to fathom the thus come one's true and actual meaning. Venerable Master, Dharma friends, welcome to our Sutra lecture tonight. Um, We're going to continue to look into the Ten Grounds chapter of the Flower Garland Sutra and turn please to the front cover. We're going to chant the names of the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas and the Sutra itself to invoke spiritual presence before we start.
1: (coughs) Amor.
0: This is October eighth, the eighth of October, and we're uh, going to be observing Guanyin Bodhisattva's week. Guanyin's birthday is going to be celebrated tomorrow at City of Ten Thousand Buddhas. In fact, tomorrow is the uh, Guanyin Bodhisattva's leaving home day, Guanyin Puza Chu So. Uh, this tomorrow, but the actual day—the actual day for Guanyin's celebration of that—is 15th, the following Saturday. But we do the big gathering on the Sunday closest, so that would be tomorrow. And then, for an entire week, people will be reciting the name of Guanyin Bodhisattva and the uh, Universal Door Chapter, the Pumanpin, from the Lotus Sutra. So this whole week is a Guanyin celebration, and it actually uh, midweek is the full moon, which happens on Tuesday. So Tuesday is the full moon of the lunar ninth month. This is the, lo- the ninth lunar month full moon day, July 15. R 15th, R, second the Tuesday of this coming month. Tuesday of this coming week, the uh, that's the 11th on the solar calendar, is the full moon of the ninth lunar month. So that's coming up, and this week will be a Guanyin Bodhisattva week. So if you would please turn to page 38, we have a couple seats in front here with nobody sitting in. Page 38 and 39 is the uh, the last paragraph. Of the second ground, and then we'll go right into the third ground. Down at the bottom of the page, in thirty-eight and thirty-nine. Also, we're going to be needing the uh, songbook, so I guess we'll get those when the time comes. No need to move everybody right now. E che jen li Okay.
1: Over
0: to
1: the
0: right. Um We're going to do something a little different. We're going to start backwards. Um, We're going to—nah, too much trouble. We'll do it the way it's printed. Okay, here we go. Of the ones who help and aid each and every world, with the most supreme bodhisattva practices, which they cultivate, such merit and virtue as that. Upon the, second ground. Upon the second ground, for all disciples of the Buddha, for all of the Buddha I, have now I have now proclaimed. If we were doing it again, and we will before too long, when we get here, I would do it completely backwards, according to this, which is completely forwards, uh, according to English. This, what we have now is a Chinese syntax, but it should be something like this. I have now proclaimed for all disciples of the Buddha such merit and virtue as that upon the second ground, of the ones who help and aid each and every world with the most supreme bodhisattva practices which they cultivate. That's that's the way it would go. So we're going to improve it and it's an ongoing process. Somebody will improve ours later on. If we were to chant it, if we were to, to put it in musical form this last... Stanza from the end of the second ground, it would go something like this. You can uh, follow if you'd like.
1: Yiche shi jian li yi zhe Yiche shi jian li yi So shiu pusa zui shang heng So shiu pusa zui shang heng Ru shi di di gong de Rush she di di gong de wei ju fo zi kai yan wei ju fo zi kai yan
0: let's do it the new way i'll i'll give you a line we'll go four Two, uh, four, three, one, two. All right, four, three, one, two. For all disciples of the Buddha,
1: I have now proclaimed. For all disciples of the Buddha, I have now proclaimed such
0: merit and virtue as that upon the second ground.
1: Such merit and virtue is that on the second ground of the ones who help and aid each and every world of the ones who help and aid each and every world with the most supreme bodhisattva practices
0: which they cultivate with the most supreme bodhisattva practices which they cultivate sounds nice good I think that that might have that might have a future if we continue to do that, chanting the, the verse sections the way they should be chanted instead of just read. So this is the end of the second ground, and let me tell you how happy I am to be able to do this with you all, to, to actually open up the ten grounds and finish the second one. This is, a, personally, it's a long-held wish that I've had to, to actually go into this text with everybody. Um, when we translate it again, that'll be another long, long cherished wish. So it says, let's look at the Chinese, for those of you who don't read Chinese, let's, let's go at it word by word, get a feel for the the, um, the original that we met, not the original original, that was Sanskrit, but the original that we met. It says, <laughs> all all, Shijian worlds, Li Yi benefit aid ones. So, the ones who benefit and aid every world, So Pu Sa Zui Sheng that which cultivate Bodhisattva's most sublime, most supreme, most excellent, most victorious practices. So, that which cultivate Bodhisattva's most supreme most victorious practices with the most supreme bodhisattva practices that they cultivate. Rushir D R D de like this, number two ground, merit, virtue. on behalf of you Buddhist disciples, I have already literally opened up and explained. I've now proclaimed these for all of you Buddhist disciples. Says our speaker whose name is Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva. All right. Um, I want to point to something about this scripture which is it's really personal. We're hearing a Bodhisattva speak in the first person about his own experience. And what more do you want in a scripture than to have the, the spokesperson just talked right to you. Personally, I did this. this. I've now told you everything I know about the second ground and about the bodhisattvas and their practices. Says Bajra treasury bodhisattva. How nice. It becomes very personal. It's not philosophy. It's not put in the mouths of somebody who's distant from us. It's not in a code language. It's his experience. And he says, yeah, I'm I'm going to tell you about the, the second ground. That's it. These bodhisattvas practice this. And they benefit the world. And that's, that's what I'm telling you. So, yeah. Personal. I, I, I feel like he's, he's not only talking to me, he wants me to understand it. Um, if you've read other scriptures, often... There's a feeling of it, it being deliberately put at a distance. So, you, the ordinary disciple, the ordinary believer, is meant to, to know your place. And it's not that. There's the, the voice of the deity and those who interpret that priests or a special class or caste and then there's you, the ordinary believer in the street. And uh, they're, they're different, they're two different realms. And they don't meet. There's no bridge to them. Um, so that's not the case with these texts, which I, I very much appreciate. And, uh, when I was growing up, the, the role of the, we called him, we had a couple names for him. He was a Methodist minister. Methodist pastor. Sometimes, if you were depending on where you came from in the country, he could be the preacher. If you came from the South, he was a preacher. And but if you addressed him, he was pastor, or sometimes reverend, or minister. He was his job. He was a Methodist minister. You called him pastor so and so or reverend so and so, and he was the preacher man. And so, our Methodist ministers went out of their way to humanize themselves, and they did it by coming over for cocktails and a round of golf. So the minister was somebody who you poured a beer for, and if you could beat him at golf, you always kind of wondered whether that you're supposed to maybe give him a couple strokes, because he was a holy man. And it didn't seem right to like, beat the pastor you know, in your foursome. So it was always, is he holy or isn't he? And that's, you know, that, there's a benefit to having him close. He got to know the family. And when somebody died, he could speak personally. But there was no sense of this man being a cultivator. There was no, that wasn't part of it. He was, on Sunday, he was a man of God. On Sunday afternoon, he was your golfing buddy. And, okay. That's the way. That's the way it was done. There, in in Protestant Christianity, there is no sangha deliberately. There's nobody who cultivates differently than you. He is trained to interpret the word, the logos, the gospels. But that's all, because the Protestants came about as a reaction against. The Pope. And the Pope was uh, from just the way religious history went. I'm sure you all know. The Pope uh, held all the power of the church. And all the power of the state in one person. He was the head of politic, political power. The head of religious power. Which meant that if he didn't like you. For any reason, he could both send you to hell and also send you to jail. You could get punished for breaking the civil law and punished for breaking the ecclesiastical law. And, you know, you go to hell and you go to jail both from the same person, which is the chances for that power to be corrupted are pretty good. And they were. Traditionally, popes tended to have... uh, lots of uh, lots of stories about them there were, occasionally there were good popes but mostly the power they was kept in the family and they kept all the money they kept all the, the armies and they could wage war and they could you could if you were on his good side he could guarantee that you would go to heaven and people i think if i were alive in that time i would want i would be on the side of the protestants i would want that power to be brought closer to earth so, uh, but in the process, the Protestants completely did away with any sense of the, the priest class having any authority over them. To the point where, when it got to America, what did we create in America? We created Quakers. And in the Quaker meeting, you are radically one, the same. Everybody, it's the... the, the priesthood of the proletariat, you know, you are you are all enabled to speak with God's voice and nobody can be higher than anyone else, which is nice in one way, but it leaves you kind of without a guide if you're looking for insight, you know. Um, it's, it solves one problem, but it creates another one. So in in islam there's it's very much the same way you know in islam if you look at the imam this was something that i didn't know until i got closer to to islamic to my muslim friends was that an imam you know the word i m I-M-A-M? a m imams are their their leader but only for the ceremony He has no other power. And the imam could be your dad. And when you grow up, it could be you. And your job is to lead the the chanting. And when the time comes, you sit down. You don't have any more authority or power to make decisions than the ritual ones. Again, it's it's very radically... um, Leveling, it it has the the uh, advantage of keeping religious power out of the hands of certain individuals, which is a good thing, for you know, given the experience of of Europe in before the Renaissance and after, just after, before the Reformation. So that's the story. Here we are. The Buddha created a sangha who spent who tried their best to do what the Buddha did full-time. What is it about the Sangha, the ordained Sangha, that's different from laity in Buddhism? They are not priests. They don't hold the Dharma above the laity. They, don't, they just do it harder, you could say. They go at it full-time doing what the Buddha did. But so do lay people. Lay people, as best we can, imitate the Buddha's path. We imitate the Buddha's behavior as, to the best of our strength, to the best of our work week, to the best of our mortgage, and to the best of our commitments to family. That's the difference. Potentially, a lay person can cultivate absolutely as hard as a left home person. Potentially that is true. Depends on you. And so it's hard being a layperson. Why? All that pressure. All that pressure of family, mortgage, houses, jobs, relationships, social responsibilities, and the wish to cultivate heart on your own. That's, it's many, 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 many laypeople tell me how frustrating that is. To kind of have the Bodhi resolve... And yet, you can't give it full time. You can't. That's hard. That's hard. So, however, if you look at many monks and nuns, left home people, who never get the message of cultivation because their teacher didn't emphasize it, they don't cultivate as vigorously as dedicated laypeople. So, within the Sangha, within the Buddha's community, um, it really comes down to how much... It really comes down to your putishin, your bodhi risa. Um I'm reminded of who our man of the hour, Steve Jobs. Bless his heart. Steve Jobs, in his speech now that has gone viral over and over... 2005, Steve was invited to give the commencement address at Stanford. And it's a, uh, what is it, uh, 17 minute video. It's now just in the last, since Wednesday, it's been downloaded and viewed millions of times. In that brief talk, he speaks Dharma, he speaks the Dharma of impermanence. He talks about death. And he says that death is one of life's greatest inventions because it clears the way. It, it encourages you to understand how precious life is. And it is a, a spur to creativity, to gratitude, to appreciation of the time we have. And he says it, uh, death teaches us how to clear out the old and make ready for the new. And he says, which is all of you, graduates of the 2005 Stanford uh, graduating class. So anyway, here we have the Silicon Valley innovator and uh, communicator who speaks Dharma, Buddha Dharma, the teaching on impermanence. And sure enough, six years later, um, he... uh, well, he had to uh, obey the wisdom of his own, of his own insight, his own teaching. So, here's my point in saying this: is we're talking about these bodhisattvas who? What? What does he say? He says, "I've now proclaimed about the merit and virtue of second ground bodhisattvas. Second bound, second ground bodhisattvas who." Cultivate bodhisattva practices to benefit the world. They help and aid all worlds, all beings in the world. And I'm talking about them. So here's our bodhisattva talking right to us. He says, I'm going to tell you, I have told you about these bodhisattvas on the second ground. So we get right up close. The sutra takes us into the mind of a bodhisattva. It's as if they went
1: "Eh,"
0: and opened a a port. They open a glass window in their hearts and their heads, showed us what they think, what they feel, what they practice, how they react to their practices. How do they? <coughs> What's their response to the things they do? Very satisfying, you know. It's it, and then it, the invitation to us is to say, and if you're inspired by them, try it. Pick it up. These bodhisattvas are generic. They're they're uh, faceless and nameless, so that we can put our face in our name on these individuals and try it out. What would it be like to cultivate this way? We get a chance to to try it to see what it would be like. Okay, can we please turn over to page forty and forty one? We're breaking new ground. Notice it starts with, with verses too. The ten grounds begin with verses. And over on forty-three we we get to the text. The voice changes. This is a narrator. The first, the first couple stanzas is a narrator who's telling us the story. Then we get Bodhisattva number two, whose name is Moon of Liberation, Jetoyue Pusa, Moon of Liberation Bodhisattva, who requests twice. He has to ask twice for Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva to go ahead and and uh, speak about bodhisattvas on the third ground, the third stage. Okay? So let's let's hear what the narrator has to say. Fozu de wan pusa Buddha's disciples who heard about the practice of that ground, the Bodhisattva states that are difficult to conceive of, were all most respectful. They rejoiced in their hearts and scattered flowers in space by way of
1: offerings. 佛自度安是地行 bu Gong Jing, Xin Huan Kong Zhong Wei Gong Yang.
0: Buddha's disciples who heard about the practice of that ground, the Bodhisattva states that are difficult to conceive of, were almost respectful. They rejoiced in their hearts and scattered flowers in space by way of offering. Okay, we've put a bookend on the second one. We're opening a bookend for the third one. And if, you, if we can imagine, this is a movie. We, this is a break. Pause. The scene changes. And uh, we have... Buddhist disciples are the ones who appear... They start moving. They've heard the second ground about the amazing states of bodhisattvas who know right from wrong, good from evil, the ten goods, the ten evils, and all the states that happen when you cultivate that. And they get happy. They rejoice spontaneously. They kind of overflow with the feelings that they have. And with respect, they take flowers and do this scatter flowers in space and our devas here these are devas one is playing on a stringed instrument this one is flying down with an offering so our devas here don't have they're not scattering flowers but there's images on the back, on the back wall of the Pure Land, where flowers are scattered like that. That's one of the best. Uh, on the back, yeah, you can see flowers in space. That's right. It's got offered Amitabha. Right, that's good. Um, flowers are one of the appropriate offerings that people can make to the Buddha, they come from nature they 're beautiful, they often have marvelous scents smells they um, nothing dies to make offerings right they're they're not they 're a harmless offering, and they come around in different seasons it's now if you had nothing else to tell you, you could look at the flowers and know what season you're in it's Chrysanthemum time. Autumn is here. These are mums. We're into Libra. October 8. Yeah. So, these are nice yellow mums. Chrysanthemum. The flowers that devas offer. In this case, it's disciples of the Buddha. The flowers that devas offer are different and finer than flowers on earth, they say. Um... We had, it's funny how flowers can, we might think that, yeah, flowers are flowers. But um, Madam Jiang, Jiang Shimu, made an offering of a lotus about, uh, about a month ago already. And it was, it was two lotuses. She grows them, real, real lian hua. not water lilies, but lotuses. She grows them in her backyard in El Cerrito up on the top of the hill. And the conditions, they've made the conditions right for them to grow. And she brought them over and made an offering. And everybody who walked through the kitchen, they would go... Like that. You know, that wonderful double tape. Like that. And because to see these, amazing. They're, they're really... Um, what? They're... How do you describe it? These lotuses kind of, they're kind of insouciant. You know that word? They're kind of like, I'm beautiful and I know it. Pay no attention. (laughs) You know, it's like, hmm, like that. They just, they're there. And they have a certain quality about them that they look like hot weather flowers. And indeed they are. I remember my first trip to Bangkok. We landed, this is the old Bangkok airport. And we landed and got out of the plane and got in a car driving into the city. And I remember I was I kind of had some... Uh, uh, I'd eaten some bad food and I kind of wasn't feeling quite right and I was a little bit sleepy and nodding. And I remember... So I was kind of... My eyes were at the, the window sill level in the car. And I... I looked and I was seeing at eye level these incredible yellow, pink, white, red flowers. And flowers shouldn't be that high off the ground. Flowers are, you know, you look down and you don't notice them. They're in big roses are just that big. But these were big eye level blossoms. And so I kind of, you know, peeked over the edge and looked. And I was looking down at uh, the, the sewer gutter ditches alongside the freeway, which were filthy, not sanitary, not politically correct. These were filthy gutter ditches from which were growing beautiful lotus flowers in Thailand. And I thought, oh, yeah, what's the thing about lotuses, right? their roots are down in the dirt and their blossoms stand up above and they're pure. That's why lotuses are the symbols of bodhisattvas, right? Bodhisattvas are totally rooted among us, among humanity, but because of their vows and their practices, their minds stay pure. So here were these Thai lotuses. i would never seen a lotus before because they are hot weather pretty much hot weather flowers. And there they were, rooted down in the muck of this roadside ditch, and like three feet above was this eye level, incredibly perfect, pure, multicolored, not not per blossom, one one color but different red, pink, white, yellow, beautiful lotus flowers. Oh my goodness, were they something to see? And uh, when we got into a traffic jam, which was like always in Bangkok, it's always traffic jam. You could we just got out of the car and went over and took a look, you know, because you're stuck in traffic, you don't move, so we opened the door and got over. Sure enough, my first lotus flower was right there in the Bangkok Ditch. And very happy, Lotus is like Yes, I'm beautiful. So what? You know, it's like, you want to make something of it? You know. That's the way I am. I'm beautiful. There were there they were, and so when Chang Shrimu brought over these lotuses, there were there they were in the kitchen, the dining room, sitting next to the Buddha, just blah, you know. One hadn't quite opened; it had that typical, you know, you got them everywhere. There's lotuses all around because they're the symbol of the bodhisattva. They were like that up there, right? You can see them up there, just blah, and uh, absolutely splendid. And a head turner. Those are what you call head turners. Because people would go by and, whoa, look at that. So, um, we have actually have a story about those lotuses. Which is, um, out in Stockton, for years, there was a retired UC Berkeley professor. Who came from China and loved real Lianhua. There's, there are lotuses, there are lilies, water lilies, and they're kind of, you have to be quick to know the difference. Um, and this professor had contacts in China who with whom he b- imported beautiful lotuses. And he had a garden out near Stockton, not too far out of town, where you could go and walk around, and he had ponds and teeing, you know, pagodas out there in the ponds. And he grew 150 varieties of lotuses. Did anybody go out with us? Do you remember? We went out twice, two visits. That was in the early days of the Berkeley Monastery. That was like our second and third year, 1997, 98. Nobody goes that back that far? Okay, no problem. Tam, did you ever go out to the lotus scene? I think it was... I think it was earlier. Yeah, so they were fabulous, and you could get right next to him. And, and if he if he liked you, and you spoke the right language with him, he would part with one of his children for you. But you had to prove to him that you were worthy of it, and you had to swear that you wouldn't let it die, and you would take care of it. And and of course, Master Zhang uh, Zhang Yuanzhong Lao Shifu, he knew what it was, and so he, he was a horticulturalist, and he and Zhang Shimu took him back and made them flourish. And the story goes, sadly enough, the professor was in a fatal auto accident, and not too long after. And his, there was a, a big controversy over what to do with his lotuses. And... His, among his descendants there was a struggle and somebody said just donate the whole thing to UC Berkeley because this is a valuable, wonderful collection of famous lotuses that had in some cases, it was the only one outside of China that you could find and some, some lotuses had like 400 year old histories lotus that they knew who owned it before, etc, cetera, etc cetera. and You know, famous, like, you know, lotuses. And so they eventually, as I recall, somebody tried, somebody got a bunch of them. Some of them died because they were slow getting it organized. And somebody tried to reopen it, didn't succeed. So that was a sad story. But uh, anyway, for a few years, there was this wonderful lotus garden out near Stockton and uh, hard to recreate it because he, he was very careful and had to, uh, unique, had, he, he had unique connections inside of China. So. Anyway, so the flowers that are offered in our sutra are way beyond flowers that appear in the world. These are... Special kinds of lotuses that have names, mandara flowers, mm, flowers that have special scent properties, flowers that are adorned with jewels, flowers that um, have colors that we don't see in the human realm. These are the flowers that devas, gods, offer up to the Buddha. So, very, very special flowers, and. Um, I'm told that all you have to do is enter the dhyanas and open your spiritual vision and you can see these flowers being scattered wherever people, according to Dharma, lecture on sutras or have Dharma assemblies. So there are people who will tell you that the city of 10,000 Buddhas, whenever there's a Guanyin session, And people are sincere. In earth session, Amitabha session, these flowers appear spontaneously because of the what's called the sublime merit and virtue created when people cultivate. So I can't vouch for it, but I'm just passing on. And if you are really sincere and spend your time well at CTTB, maybe you can come back and tell us what those flowers are like. Very sublime. Okay, Shan uh, Shan They praised the Buddha, saying, Good indeed, great king, lofty as mountains, with a kind and empathetic heart. You remember all beings and speak skillfully about the wise ones' precepts and deportment, the attributes of practice that we meet upon the second ground. Tan Yen
1: Shannzai da
0: They praise the Buddha, saying, Good indeed, great king, lofty as mountains, with a kind and empathetic heart, you remember all beings, and speak skillfully about the wise ones, precepts and deportment, the attributes of practice that we meet upon the second ground. They praised, saying, Shanzai. Um, if you've ever been with um, Theravada monks in a community that knows how to do it, the community, after the monks sing, they go, Sādu, Sādu, sadu, sadu bande right? Which is, Shanzai, Shanzai, Da Shengzhe, in Chinese. You say, good indeed, good indeed. That's appropriate praise sounds that you make. It's good indeed, Da Shan Wang. The Chinese says, praising, said, good, that Zia's exclamation, like that, exclamation. Good indeed, big mountain king. Now, is he a mountain king? No, he's a king with virtue as big as a mountain. So it's not that he's a mountain king, but he is... He is as tall as a mountain, as solid as firm, as inspiring as a mountain. Kind heart, empathetically recall all sentient creatures. Good indeed that you remember living beings with sympathy and kindness. Skillfully you have explained. The wise ones, that means Buddhas, lü, vinya, yi, behavior, fa, dharma. So the vinya and deportment, the, the carriage, uh, the way that wise ones conform, restrain themselves, and the way they walk, the way they handle themselves. D R D Jungjir Hunshang in all the ways that the practices of the second ground look. All right, how interesting here, right? This again, um, this is a psychological text. The Avatamsaka, when it talks about bodhisattvas, is talking about their insides, <laughs> psychology, meaning the invisible parts going on. What is he praising? He says, you have shan shuo, skillfully explained jirja wise ones, meaning Buddhas or Bodhisattvas, both, lü yi fa. Lü is the vinaya, In other words, the rules they follow. Mostly you could say the inside. The lü is they don't kill, they don't even have angry thoughts. They don't steal. They don't even have greedy thoughts. They don't engage in sexual misconduct. They don't even have that sense of seeking. They don't lie. They don't even want to cover. They don't indulge in intoxicants because wisdom is what they value. Right? So, that's all inside stuff. But the E, that second word, that's the outside stuff. So it says, you skillfully explained the wise ones, inner restraints and outer forms. That E here talks about, we say deportment, but that's how monks and nuns carry themselves. And that's, that's very interesting. I've, t- I've said it before. When you encounter a monk or a nun who has been trained, you can tell wordlessly. They don't have to tell you what teacher they follow, when they left home, whether they are such and such a Zen master, Chan master, master of instruction, whatever. You can tell by looking that they've been through the mold. They've been put into the Sangha smelting furnace and come out the other side different it's true not a joke um, likewise when you see somebody who hasn't who's just put the robe on tell right away tell they they the difference is not external it's an internal transformation that has an external manifestation the change happens inside and it has to do with The six senses. It has to do with energy. Now, how is that taught? Well, it's taught during the formation. Monks and nuns go through a formation. And the minimum is the the period of ordination. The maximum depends upon the teacher. In the process, we had a conversation about it this week. Because... Chinwe is is here as our our novice, and uh, the Berkeley Monastery was not going to be a training place, but the conditions arose, and so we we took it on and opened the door so so we could have that uh, experience for for both the trainee and the trainers. So, what is the process? In traditionally, what happened was somebody would, for personal reasons, usually planted in lives past they would say I would like to be a bhikshu or a bhikshuni I would like to leave home and if they had locally and it was usually like at the village level or somewhere in the area there would be not a monastery but a temple usually usually be a place where there would be one monk and if it was nuns they needed more than one but often it would be just one monk and maybe a couple attendants and his or her group of lay people And this was our local shirfu, our local fasher. And the person who said, I would like to leave home, would go knock on the door, bring an offering, get to know the monk, and see if they liked him or her. And if they did, the monk, they would often say, shirfu, shirfu, I want to leave home. And depending on his skill, why do you want to leave home? I want to become a Buddha and teach and transform living beings. Shantai, Shantai. Good indeed. Have you made the Bodhi resolve? I have made what? I will show you my door lip. You know, that's that's from the where's that from? That's from the entering the Dharma realm chapter. Often it wouldn't be like that. Often it would be Shervo, I want to leave home. Why do you want to leave home? Because I'm hungry and I have no other skills to get a living. You know. mm. Can you work hard? I will work really hard. All right, we'll try you out for a month. You know. Seriously, that's the majority would like that. Or one of the attendants would say, Shervo, shervo, there's something on the front gate. You go out and here's a basket. And in the basket is. Somebody would drop the baby at the temple. China was hard, right? Now, we go, ha, 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 what about America? How are we doing? There are a lot of people who would say, America's time is over. We may be at a time when, I mean, here we are, Berkeley Buddhist Monastery. (laughs) So far, we haven't had any babies on the front door. I'm not counting my, counting my sheep before they arrive. <laughs> we might, you know, call Child Protective Services. We got one for you. <laughs> Come and get her. Him, her, him. Who knows? You know. so, but in China, that was often the case, especially if you had too many children and you, you had to choose between grandma or the new mouse. What do you do? Grandma gets the food, the new mouth goes to the temple. So, for different reasons, people would show up at the local temple. Shirfu, the fasher there, would have to decide, you know, take them on or what to do, train them, and at a certain point, at a certain point, the fasher would say, I think you're ready. And he would, having trained his his novice, in how to wear the robe, how to meditate, how to do the ceremonies, how to uh, deal with lay people, how to carry on the hard work of the monastery, he or she was ready to go to the Shifang Lin, the big Ten Directions Monastery, it's called, meaning the public monastery, to be ordained as a monk. Now, you had to have a lot of conditions. You had to be 20 years old, no debts. You're not escaping military service, right? Running from the government. You're not escaping having committed a crime and you're escaping the authorities. You don't have any serious diseases, communicable diseases. You are not a dragon transformed into human form to steal the precepts. We haven't asked Qin Wei sure that, but we'll you know. <laughs> all right. So, but you will, your time is coming. We will find out the answer to that question. So. Or else you don't get the precept. So ask these are the standard questions that you ask, and then they say, "Ni shi da Zhang Fu Fa." Are you a great hero?" And the answer is,
1: shi da fu
0: I am indeed a great hero. Good indeed. You can become a monk. You can become a nun. So that was the process. And after intense long training, you get smelted out. And I say, say, with one look, you can tell, has this person done that work? And if they have, their six senses function differently. They walk differently. They sit differently. They talk differently. Their eyes don't run out the way they used to. Their mind doesn't flit from idea to idea the way it used to. Their precepts are different. That's to say their ethical standards. Their concentration is different. And their zhījian, what they know and what they see, their viewpoints and their knowledge, is different than before. They are ready to become... Shi, teachers of gods and humans. They are ready to be Ying-gong worthy of offerings. That's a Sangha member. And you can see it at that point in their outer Yi, because their inner Lu has already been put in place. So it's, it's really different. And if somebody has not done those things, oh, you know, you know right away. Their eyes run around... They sit casually, right? They, they sit and their robe kind of falls, doesn't... If you're a Theravada monk, you can see really soon because they can't even wear the robe. Wearing, putting on a Theravada robe is not so easy. I've tried three or four times and they all snicker. They, you know, because it's one piece of cloth, you know. When you see Ajanguna or Bhante here or Ajan Pasano or the other monks, they have wrapped that thing Rap, 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 And they grab it with one hand. And if they let that go, it goes flip, 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 flip. Right? And they go rap, 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 and they flip it over and grab it. And then they learn how to they can bow in that, they can, you know, meditate in that. So it's that's the the robe that the Buddha gave his monks to wear. And it's made out of cloth that they sew together by hand stitch by stitch, maybe with a machine themselves, and they dye it. And it's made of patches of, depending on, you know, the tradition was, you went to the refuse heap, you went out behind the, the town to the dump and got pieces of cloth that you washed really well, you cut off the, the, the raggedy ends, you sewed it together, and that was your rope. Why? Nobody else wants to steal it when it's made of patches that you glean out of the garbage. It's not a valuable object, which is precisely right. It does not incite greed in anybody else. They don't look at your robe and go, dude, look at that all wool worsted herringbone blue serge robe. Mm, Mmm, That looks really warm. I think I'll steal it as soon as he goes to sleep. Right? Nobody has that thought because it, you know, like, needs to be washed, you know, ratty. So our robes, with their pattern of long and short patches, one long, one short, comes directly from that principle of patches that you grab out of the garbage and sew together after you wash them clean. Um being able to wear that robe is not as easy as one might think to do it authentically. So somebody who has been through that process is immediately obvious to somebody in the Sangha. Um, but it's, it's, an, it's interesting because it's an inner set of rules that produces the outer deportment. And yet you teach it from the outside. I mean, you model it for a while. And then, then it catches. Um, so, that's the deportment. With a kind and empathetic heart, you remember all beings and speak skillfully about the wise ones, precepts, and deportment. The attributes of practice that we met on the second ground. So you talked about all those cultivation experiences on the second ground. And... Uh, let's see we're still going on that we're not to the third ground yet one more paragraph here we go Those are all Bodhisattva's rare and wondrous practices true and real special free from differentiation, from your wish to benefit all the many beings, you explained their pristine state.
1: Shizhu sa wei miao heng, zhan shi wu yi wu qi bie, wei yu li yi jhu chun shang, ru shi yān shuo zui qīng
0: jīng. Those are all bodhisattvas, rare and wondrous practices. True and real, special, free from differentiation. From your wish to benefit all the many beings, you explain their pristine states. Those are all bodhisattvas, rare wondrous practices. True and real, special, free from Differentiation meaning not different in the past, not different in the future, and not different now. Vuchirbya means you explained them all equally, you didn't skip any, you didn't emphasize any other. They're not different. In Regardless of which Buddha is describing them, the Bodhisattva practices are the same. You explained their pristine state because you wanted to benefit all the many beings. Good. This kind of echoes back to the... Um, when we started the Ten Grounds, you know, there was, there was a whole, uh, there was a scene that happened because liberation, Muni Liberation Bodhisattva wanted to hear the Ten Grounds in Vajra Treasury. Didn't explain. He was silent. He just said, nope, can't do it. It took the Buddha's leverage to get him to speak. And it's, it's, it's really fascinating how there's a couple uh, paragraphs and a couple pages of encounter where you don't know how it's going to go. Because Bajra Treasury says, they're not going to get it. They're going to slander it. They won't understand it. Why even try? This is too lofty. This dharma is too tough, he said. And finally, (coughs) Muna Liberation appealed to the Buddha and said, please get him to talk. Please... Have him speak because these are not beginners; these are bodhisattvas of long practice, and they need to hear this stuff. So tell him to say it. Tell him to speak the dharma. So the Buddha did. Vajra Treasury said, "All right, but only because you told me to. I will. I'll against my better judgment. I'll speak the dharma." He said. So here we are. Two out of ten. Two out of ten grounds into the Dharma, and uh, he says you you wanted to help living beings, and so you went ahead to explain the pristine state of these bodhisattvas. Now he's hoping that Vajra Treasury will continue. So he says, "一切人间, let's see, san 于法相应,主治业, Chan We hope that you, to whom both gods and humans make offerings, will proclaim the third ground for us, how the many wise deeds interact with the Dharma. Please explain in detail how such states unfold.
1: 一切人天供养者, Yen Wei Yen Di San Di Ying Zhu Zhi Ye Ru
0: Chan. We hope that you, to whom both gods and humans make offerings, will proclaim the third ground for us, how the many wise deeds interact with the Dharma. Please explain in detail how such states unfold. Okay, here's our bodhisattva. This is now we know this is Vajra Treasury. He's since the quote marks have arisen, we now it's him, we know it's him. We hope that you, to whom both gods and humans make offerings, will proclaim this third ground for us. How the many wise deeds of these bodhisattvas interact with the dharma tell us in detail how those states unfold so there's what that's a dharma request Qingfa. right we hear it right there that's um, among samantabhadra's practices this is ching Falun. okay that's our number 6 ching Falun following ching fo please turn the dharma wheel number 7 is please Exhort the Buddha, please beg the Buddha to stay. Please make sure the Buddha stays in the world. Ching Joan and Ching Fo Jushur. Please tell the Buddha to not enter Nirvana. So this is Samanta, these are two of Samantabhadra's practices and vows that are the backbone, the real structure of the entering the Dharma realm chapter, which is this after the ten grounds, is probably arguably the most important of all the Avatamsaka Sutras many chapters. It's the longest by far. And that's where the people come. That's where uh, Sudhana Bodhisattva shows up and all the 53 teachers who come out and who give him their insights into how to practice, all their doors to liberation. So uh, this is the request of... Muna Liberation, as he lays out his case so that Vajra Treasury will remember that the Buddha told him, you will now speak the Dharma for them. Um, let's see, what's next here? He's ex- continuing his Dharma request. Let's, let's go on, we're, we're halfway there. This is the we're still in the Qinghuan following, please turn the Dharma wheel. Ta Xian Soyo Shi jie Fa Renru Jing Jin Chan Chi Qang Bian Spei Dao Fo Ching Jing Heng Yen Chien All the great immortalist dharmas of generosity and morality. His patience, his vigor, his concentration and wisdom, his expedient skill, his way of kindness and compassion. Please explain all such pristine behaviors of the Buddhas.
1: Taishen soyu shijie fa ren chan zhi hui fang dao. For Qing Jing
0: all the great immortals, dharmas of generosity and morality, his patience, his vigour, his concentration and wisdom, his expedient skill, his way of kindness and compassion, please explain all such pristine behaviors of the Buddha. Anybody uh, recognize a pattern in there? A list? Those are the paramitas. Those are the bodhisattvas dharmas, right? What are they? Giving, precepts, patience, vigor, concentration, wisdom. He actually goes on to include the uh, expedient means, which is one of the, the ten. When you go from six to ten paramitas, is one more, but he, he doesn't give us the whole list. That would include wisdom, knowledge, that is, jnana, not prajna, um, strength, vows, as well as expedience. So they're not, it's not exactly the list of the ten. But when we see in a row, what is it? generosity, morality, patience, vigor, concentration and wisdom for sure those are the six perfections the six things that bodhisattvas use the six tools that bodhisattvas use to teach living beings so all the great immortal the great immortal is the Buddha all his dharmas of giving precepts, patience, vigor, concentration and wisdom his expedient skill, his way of kindness and compassion Please explain all these pristine behaviors of the Buddhas. Please do that. Please talk about the Buddhas paramitas, the Bodhisattvas paramitas as well. Okay. So what is it? Dharma request. He's requesting. Turn over please. Page 4243. We're taking this all in one big breath because this is a, what we're looking at is the Qingfa. He is requesting the Dharma. Dharma. Shu Ye Fu Ching Wu Zang Yuan Shu Chiru di Ro At that time, Moon Liberation made his request once more: "Great courageous knight, O oh, Treasury of Vajra, You, whose heart is tender and replete with virtue please tell us how to approach the third ground shijie mm-hmm. duoyue fu qingyan Yen da shi sang gen shou qi ru di san di ruo xin at that time moon of liberation made his request once more Great courageous knight, O treasury of Vajra, you whose heart is tender and replete with virtue, please tell us how to approach the third ground. There we have it, the second time. This is the, the second request of Moon of Liberation. He's named, we get his name here. And he's requesting Vajra treasury bodhisattva once again, shi jie fu qing At that time, Liberation Moon, again, asked and said, wu wei da shi, fearless great knight. You courageous one. The shi is, can be like a knight in shining armor. Sometimes the shi here is, uh, if you add the, the man radical, that's the word for samurai. Right? So he is a Da shi, The great knight The great knight errant And he's fearless Wake Courageous No fear The great one Jin Gang Zang This is a title So it's the Fearless great knight Vajra treasury Great Samurai The great retainer Of course Not to be Don't take me too literally there Somebody's going to say Wait a minute Wait a minute Vajra treasury was not a samurai That's okay Don't, don't Not too literal but I'm saying there's a linguistic connection here, because in Chinese, a e da shi is a lot like uh, King Arthur's Knights of the Table, And I just said that when in the Japanese used the same word when they were talking about samurai, who were not all, you know, dishonorable. They, they're, they got, when J- Japan's society being an empire depending on the quality of the emperor, when it got corrupt, which happened from time to time, there were many um, samurai who were ronin, who were at large. And when you have thousands of men with swords out there who are hungry, they would occasionally uh, turn to less than noble uh, behaviors, careers. Um, They became, you know, like gunfighters, kind of, for hire, but often samurai were just, uh, uh, it's a good career for a man of talent and virtue, so they were very virtuous samurai as well. Here, that word is without the man radical, without the human radical, and it refers to somebody who lives by virtue and strength. So, person of virtus, person of strength, Great, courageous knight, Vajra Treasury. You, who, check out what qualities the great knight has? Tender heart. How about that? Don't you like your cowboys to be tender hearted? Right? Let's see. Please tell us how to aim at to approach the third ground. You, Rou He Xin Zhe. Absolutely, soft hearted one. That's rohe, whose heart is kind. That's the kind of knights we like. Chu gunda, talk about the merit and virtue of those whose hearts are tender. Do you ever think of your cowboys as being tender-hearted? You bet they were. Just kind of, I guess, media is that way, right? Media, if it bleeds, it leads. They always give us the... The, the sensational, well, the media back then probably did that. You, most cowboys, I'm sure, were dads, brothers, husbands, uh, who maybe to make a living went out on the trail, right? So these knights too were, the, when it comes to the Buddha, his strength comes from his compassion. It's tender-hearted meaning compassionate, Right? One who abides by the precepts in order to benefit others. Ultimately, this is someone who has ended suffering and wants to find a way to lead me towards the path that ends suffering. So how soft does your heart have to be in order to do that? And ultimately, how vajra-strong do you have to be in order to do that? All right? There we go. So... We have covered the Dharma request for the third ground, and we're going to uh, we're going to get there, find out what the third ground has in store next week. Could somebody get out the songbooks, please? Do you mind bringing those forward? Hmm. Let's turn to page eighteen. This is uh, tomorrow is the beginning of the Guanyin session at CTDB, and the city was named by Shurpu as Guanyin Bodhisattva's home in the West. In the past, it was clearly uh, Putoshan, Shan historically. Mm-hmm. After um, the Dharma came to the West, the city of Ten Thousand Buddhas became the new home of the Bodhisattva Guanyin. And you can definitely feel it, especially on. uh, Especially after people have been reciting the Pu Man Pian, Universal Door chapter for a week, reciting in English, reciting in Chinese, reciting in Vietnamese, there's a special energy there. And that, uh, turn to page 18, please. 18, 19. Especially with that big sixteen foot camphor wood Guanyin image. There's a feeling there uh, of it being special, different. So, um, this song helped me. Uh, get there many times when there was uh, it was hard to get strength up to get out of the car that we had been in, Marty and I, for the night uh, because it was cold and wet and raining and the clothes that we were wearing were cold and wet and raining and The one meal that we were going to have was going to be heated up on a a, uh, propane stove if somebody found us for lunch. Otherwise, it was going to be granola and road greens and rich crackers again, as it often was. Mind you, they were delicious, rich crackers and granola and road greens. But uh, it was cold and wet, and most of the time, cars that passed us had unpleasant things to say. Rarely were they uh, complimentary or encouraging. So, uh, having this song available to sing made a big difference in uh, keeping our spirits up. So, and this song talks about the city's home to Guanyin Bodhisattva, Compassionate Enlightened One, who contemplates the sounds of living beings. So, this I always connected this song with Guanyin. So. It's called the City of Ten Thousand Buddhas. You can join me if you'd
1: like. It's called the City of Ten Thousand Buddhas. It started with a vow to bring enlightenment
0: to every living being. From the sage who brought the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha to America to build a new foundation.
1: It's called the city of ten thousand Buddhas It's called the city of ten thousand Buddhas
0: It's founded on a vision of the proper Dharma flourishing again It's a place of cultivation, it's a place of transformation Of the common
1: one to a Bodhisattva it's called the City of Ten Thousand Buddhas. The city is home to Guanyin Bodhisattva,
0: compassionate, enlightened one who contemplates the sounds of
1: living beings. With a thousand hands to see them, and a thousand ears to hear them, and a thousand hands
0: to rescue them from suffering. Oops. It's called the city
1: of 10,000 Buddhas, it's called the city of 10,000 Buddhas. Instilling virtue in the children, filiality is number
0: one. They will vow to get enlightened, to repay their parents' kindness, and repay the great compassion
1: of the Buddha. It's called the City of Ten Thousand Buddhas. It's called the City of Ten Thousand Buddhas. It starts with care for aging people, filial behavior in the home. When the family is happy, then the cities will be peaceful and the nations and the worlds will come together. It's called the city of ten thousand Buddhas It's called the city of ten thousand Buddhas Enlightened to the Buddha nature Perfect and complete, everyone
0: He's the sage who vowed to save us To show the road to wisdom To return the light Wake up, turtle mountain
1: It's called the city of 10,000 Buddhas, it's called the city of 10,000 Buddhas, making Buddhas bodhisattvas,
0: sages from the likes of you and me. And the virtue of our teacher turns our greed and hate delusion to precepts, samadhi and to wisdom. Lots of words
1: there. It's called the city of 10,000 Buddhas. It's called the city of 10,000 Buddhas. It's called the city of 10,000 Buddhas.
0: Guess he'd rather be in Colorado. That's the song that that was stolen from. Okay, it's a good song too. Has a great line. Guess he'd rather be in Colorado. Rather play his banjo in the moon in the morning when the moon is scarcely gone. Guess he'd rather be in Colorado. <laughs> play plays banjo in the morning when the moon is scarcely gone. And it ends up, it's a very melancholy song. It ends up, in the end, up, in the end, up in his office. In the end, a quiet cough is all he has to show. He lives in New York City. That's a Dannon and Nievert song. Same folks who... They wrote for John Denver. They are authors of the deathless song... Country roads... Take me on... Sounds just like it, right? That's why. They wrote that too. Um, That song... You can hear echoing from the tiles of Taipei... Osaka... Seoul... Manila... (laughs) Sydney, and all kinds of play. That song has gone completely around the world. People will tell you, oh, I met my first boyfriend back in Taipei in high school when that song was being played, right? That song, John Denver's Country Roads, is completely international song. Wonderful. So we're going to call it a night. Now, would you please turn to the back of your songbook? and make it interactive by transferring merit and virtue. We, at the moment, um, missed forest fires this this season. Did you all notice? Right? We didn't have pictures of flames rolling out of the canyons in L.A. Looks like we might, knock on wood, um, we might have made it without... Great disastrous forest fires, probably because it rains so much in the El Niña year, but we'll take it, whatever reason. However, the city of Bangkok is currently under extreme flood pressure. Uh, they, the mayor has ordered uh, seven drainage ditches to be dug. Because the Chao Phraya River is now flooding its banks. And so far, Bangkok has avoided it. But they think it won't be long. Before the water pours into Bangkok. Serious flooding. Serious, serious flooding. Why, Why is it happening? All the trees on the river that used to keep the water down have been cut. All the glaciers that used to flood it seasonally are melting. Bangkok is experiencing unprecedented floods because climate change. Anthropogenic, human-caused climate change. Absolutely. What are they going to do about it? Call on the Buddha. Because it's too late. Glaciers are melting, the trees are gone. The trees' roots used to hold the ground, hold the water, cut the trees 90% of Thailand's bank of hardwood forests have been shipped to Thailand, shipped to uh, Japan, you know, to be made into chips for decks and things. So it's sad, sad situation. They don't know what to do. So we can transfer the merit. Hope that the Buddha does come to the aid of the poor Thai folks, especially Bangkok. Bangkok is a big, 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 big city. And if it starts to flood... We'll hear about it. Transfer that merit. Mm.